So I wanted to start out by talking to you guys about last week, about Tuesday night, we did, uh, we went and saw Thorn. And I don't know if anybody else, I know most of the people in here did. But Thorn is a theatrical play about Jesus and about about the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it was really powerful. And I was sitting there in, in the middle. I mean, I had the 50-yard line seat, by the way, guys. <laughs> I was sitting up that, that first row. I'm sitting there, and I'm able to, I'm, I'm in the bullseye of the O for Thorn. I mean, it's <laughs> right there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm talking to everybody. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. Well, I cried my eyes out most of the most of the time because you know Jesus is being beaten and he's getting you know he's being crucified and and I mean then after he's been beaten he's been crucified then you have the resurrection and now you're crying because it's like yes he's alive you know but you know that the thing that popped into my head was First John chapter one. And I thought to myself, how did verse John chapter one pop into my head? And so this past week, I've just been reading first John chapter one. The Holy Spirit's been taking first John chapter one and just revealing some things to me about, about John and what he was trying to convey to the church at the time because they didn't understand things. In fact, they didn't understand a lot. Jesus left. He left the disciples. The disciples didn't know a lot. I'm just going to be honest with you. The reason why John was 90 and he was writing like revelations and, you know, the gospel of John and first, second, and third John is because John and all the other disciples, it took them a long time to figure out what Jesus was talking to them about. Do you know that when we hear the word and it's planted like a seed, it has to grow. And when it grows, it produces fruit. Well, some of us produce fruit faster than others. Some actual fruits produce fruit faster, and some produce slower. I remember a couple of years ago, my grandmother was planting. Didn't we plant like it was like asparagus? Well, you plant it, it comes up the first year, and it's like, no, you can't eat it. Comes up the second year, no, you can't eat it. That third year, you can eat it. It means it's fruitful. You can actually get something from it. But that was the whole thing about the disciples was they were spending most of their time Fighting with people, because <laughs> people were coming at them. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and you had all of the different, you know, sects of the religious, uh, you know, Jewish people. And then they would go out into the world. Well, then you're fighting against people who believed in, you know, like Athena and and all of the Greek and Roman gods, and and they're having to deal with all of those filters. So. The Holy Spirit was showing me this week that essentially that our body, that, that Jesus' body means something to us, but it didn't mean a lot to the church. And John was trying to get something through to them. I was so hoping this was going to work. Go ahead, Mom. Go to the next one. And it says here, and, and we're gonna, I'm going to read 1 John to you. It's only 10, it's only 10 verses. But I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to show you some stuff in here. And then I'm going to show you what was going on in the culture at the time. Because it, you need to understand the culture to understand 1 John chapter 1. If you don't understand what was happening in the church, then 1 John chapter 1, people will just take out things like confess your sins. 
How many people have been in here that all you heard was messages about confessing your sins out of 1 John chapter 1? Well, 1 John chapter 1 is not specifically about just confessing your sins. It says it, but that's not the meaning of 1 John chapter 1. So I'm going to read this. And it says, 1 John 1, 1 says, This which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Uh-oh. Basically, they handled something. They saw something. They, they grabbed a hold of something. Do you know that if you experienced something, you would be able to testify and witness about that something? Let's just say for an example, you know, you always see when there's a tornado, you see the lady in the moo-moo, and she goes, tornado come through, and it took old Bessie the cow, and it threw it over here in the next county. I saw every bit of it. That's the reason why they go to her, not because she's wearing the crazy moo-moo and the, and the hat. They're going to her because she said, I, I stood out in my front yard and I watched it. That's crazy, but that's exactly what, what she did. So they saw something, they handled something, they experienced something. In verse 2 it says, The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was from the Father and was manifested to us. I'm going to read it from right here. I feel like I'm looking away from you guys. In verse 3 it says, This which you have seen and heard and, and we have declared to you. So they're, they're making witness that I know something. I've seen it. It says that you also may fellowship with us. Now, Everybody, when we had, so we had ham at Fellowship. Dad and Brock, they got into a ham fight. Ham challenge. And I believe Brock won, so now he's got to bring the ham from now on. But I'm going to tell you what happened was we had fellowship, but we didn't have this kind of fellowship. Because I imagine that if I went and asked you your belief system, we fellowship in, in several different ways. We fellowship in, I'm going to break bread with you and eat. We fellowship with an understanding about, about you know, hey, I, my son plays lacrosse. I might find somebody who plays, their son plays lacrosse. And we talk, so we fellowship. Well, that's a relational fellowship. But this fellowship had to do with belief systems. It had to, it had to do with... How many people knows nowadays when we're out here and we're talking to people that people stay away from each other because they don't agree? See, this was about agreement. This was about I don't agree with you and you don't agree with me. So we're not going to fellowship together. We're not going to come together. And see, this is one of the things that we have to understand is that is that John was saying, hey, you want to know this so that you can come fellowship with us, that you can be a part of what we're doing. And it says, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with, G- and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and it says, these things were written to you that your joy may be full. So if we get a hold of these truths about what He's saying, it's going to make our joy full. Verse 5 says, This is the message which I have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him no darkness at all. If we say that we fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Uh Uh-oh, 
Now, this is where we start getting into, well, is this about us or is this about them? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that everything in God is light and everything that's not of God is in the darkness? Well, then you're in the light. You, you believe the right way. But this is not something that, that we're putting on somebody. Like I didn't pre, you know, preach this to go, well, y'all, y'all walking in the darkness, aren't you? Well, you know what? Every single time we have a struggle in our, in our thoughts, in our bodies, if we sin or if we have an issue, this is not talking about us. I, I'm not, I, I had a sin today and oh my gosh, I, I'm not walking in the light anymore. Well, the light is knowing the truth. Well, if I, if I go, yeah, the truth is, is that God is the light. What he said in his word is the light. Then I walk in the light. But if I walk in the, if I walk in darkness, that means that I'm trying to go after a lie. In fact, I'm trying to make some excuses up about, about where I'm at and what I'm supposed to be doing. This right here is, is where we've got to separate out the difference between walking in the truth of God's word and walking in darkness. Because if we walk in the truth, then we can be changed. If we walk in a lie, we're not going to be changed at all. Lies never change you except for the wrong ways, right? Okay, so just wanted to stop there and, and talk about that for a second. But <clears throat> let's see, in verse 7... You got to keep telling lies, right? If you if you walk in a lie, then you got to tell another lie, and then you got to tell another lie. Eventually, if you become good enough at telling lies, you never tell the truth. Everything that comes out of your mouth is a lie. So that's not good. Let's see. Let's see. Verse seven. It says, "But if we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship with one another." This is a truth. See, if we can't have fellowship over truth then we're not going to fellowship at all. We actually see this in the world. We see that people go into their different sects, right? Uh, you know, you, you find the people who believe the way that I believe. You, you know, you find the Pentecostals and they're sitting over here. You find the Baptists and they're sitting over here. They're usually in the back, on the very back row. Then you find the Methodists. See, look at him. He was Baptist all of his life until he came here. But... But we go through all of these different things and we separate ourselves out because of beliefs. So when it says, so when it says here that, that we walk in the light as he is in the light for, for if, uh, I'm sorry, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ and his, his son cleanses us from all sins. Okay, that's a dividing line. Do you know that if you are in Christ and the blood of Christ is doing its job, then now you found yourself in the light if you believe in Jesus. Okay? It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess or we acknowledge uh, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we do not sin, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So we have to understand that this light and this darkness that people are living in is the lie. It's the, 
It's the, hey, I'm perfectly fine. Me and God's got it all worked out. Well, do you and Jesus got it all worked out? Do you believe in him if you made him Lord? Because if you made him Lord, then you walk in the light because his blood has covered our sins. But if you're like, oh, me and God's got it all worked out, but I ain't ain't got it worked out with Jesus, well, then you ain't got nothing worked out. Because God ain't even talking to you about any of that. He ain't working stuff out with people except for through Jesus. So we have to remember this. Mom, go to the next one. So the background. Let's say, give me some background, Dusty. Give me some background, Dusty. All right. So if you look up here, I'm going to tell you what Gnosticism is, okay? Most people may have heard of Gnosticism. It's, a, it's something that, that, you know, back in these days, the, the people of the day, people like Plato, they were Gnostics. They, they created all these ideologues and, and uh, philosophies around <clears throat> how to live your life, and most of them were, <laughs> okay? So... Church historians tell us that the Gnostics, especially in places like Turkey and Greece and in Italy and all of these different areas that John and, and you know, Paul had been to, that they were all being run by people who had Gnostic idealisms. So this word Gnostic just means knowledge. It means these people went around just trying to find knowledge. Remember, Paul went and acts up to Mars Hill, and he's talking to all these guys, and he's telling them, hey, you know, I, I, I was looking at all of your gods, and then I found the table up here that had written on here the unknown God. Well, let me tell you about him because I want you to know about the one true God. I don't want you to be unknowing about this. Well, the moment that he said, I don't want you to be unknowing, and I believe Paul was standing on the corner listening to him talk and going, if I could just have knowledge about everything. Well, you know, he went to Mars Hill and he talked to him. He didn't get anybody saved. He got one or two people that said, hey, I'll come back and listen to you again. Do you know that one of the reasons why he didn't get that many people saved and he didn't have, he didn't have that many people is, is because they wanted to listen to everybody. They wanted to listen to all kinds of stuff. They would have sat there and li- listened to you play tiptoe through the tulips on a ukulele. It, it was whatever was going to gain them knowledge. Do you know that when, that when Paul and, and Silas and, and Barnabas and all these people would go into these groups... There'd be some people that was trying to kill them. There'd be some people that was trying to incorporate Christianity into their thing. Do you know that I've actually worked with several people that are from India? They are fine with Christianity. They just go, it's another God. Let me just add them to the thousands that we have over here. You know that I actually went to school at UAB for computer engineering with a guy that he was Indian, and he told me one day, because I was talking to him about Jesus, and he said, I listen to teachings all the time about Jesus. I listen to Joel Osteen. I listen. I, I, I mean, he named all these different people that he listens to. And I said, is it taking hold? <laughs> and he was like, well, I still, you know, I believe in all my other gods, too. And I said, well, then you, you had not got it yet. That's okay. Keep listening. Just keep listening. This right here... Uh, the church historians, and there's people like John MacArthur and all them that, that they actually wrote about all this, that church historians say that, that Gnosticism was one of these things that, that people would come up and they would say, hey, 
I want to come in and listen to what you got to say, and then I want to try to change it. This is the way that the church was being ran. It'd be like if I was coming up here and all of a sudden somebody else came in here and they go, well, can I talk for a few minutes? And all of a sudden they would go, oh, everything Dusty said was perfect. It was great. But let me tell you some other truths. See, they didn't, they didn't come in and go, you're wrong. They came in and said, let me add to this. And it says, and, and I want you to understand this word dualism, Okay. Dualism is something that even happens today. We have it happen in, in, in our society. We have it especially in the Chinese society. How many people have heard of yin-yang? Anybody know about yin-yang? Well, then you've got the good and the evil. You've got the, the, the power on this side and the power on this side. And you have to keep, keep everything in balance, right? Well, one of the things that we understand about dualism is that physically, Plato and all these other people taught that we were that our physical body was evil, bad body, right? Your body is awful, but guess what? Your spirit is perfect, and if your spirit is perfect, that means that the moment that you leave your body, the moment you die, you're perfect. So why do you need a Savior? Ooh. You know, there's a lot of teachings that I, I can listen to, and I don't know anything's wrong with them until they say one or two little things, right? I mean, you can get some really good, you can get some people who are really fiery. They, they know what the, you, they, you think they know what they're talking about. And I mean, we had these people, heck, me and Susan were doing these things on, uh, at my house uh, years ago, having these faith and grace nights. And we had like people that were universalists that came in. And they were all about what we were doing until the moment that you said Jesus is the only way. Oh, they, they, they loved it because we were talking about love and grace and about faith. And they were like, I'm, I'm behind you. I hear everything you're saying. And then all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, do you say that my son died you, and went to hell? You remember that conversation? It was the conversation of of. Well, my son died, and he was a drug addict, and he was a this, and he was a that. And so if I go by your way of belief, then he's in hell. And I just, I remember sitting there going, I'm going to teach you what the Word says. I mean, I can't go and tell you anything different. I mean, I can sit here and try to make everybody feel good. You know what making you feel good is like? It's like, you know, if one of y'all came up and said, Dusty, you know what? I like you fat. I think you're really good at being fat. <laughs> you know, I, I really, whew, I, I, I think that whole belly thing you got going on, that's a, that's a good look for you. You know what? That makes me feel good. I go, hey, I can eat some more tonight when I go home. But do you know that at the end of the day, if you're going, hey, that's probably not good for you. Okay, well, I need to hear that from time to time. So I go, I was going to get that other donut, but now I'm not. It makes me pull back when I go for donut number two or three or ten, okay? So it, it's, a, it's an idealism behind, behind that if I want to tell you the truth, then sometimes it's not going to feel good. So dualism would say, hey, you know what? There's no need for a savior. Jesus was just a good guy and I like his teachings, but I don't have to believe in him to go to heaven. So that's what Gnosticism was coming in and doing. There was also some other weird teachings. In fact, I love this. I, I used to teach on this. I may do this 
in, in a future teaching. But, you know, Santa Claus, where we get St. Nicholas, he was actually from Turkey. He was from the area where, where John was at. Do you know that when they had uh, the, I think it was the, um, I think it was like the Caesarea, um, oh, I'm trying to think. It was like uh, one of the councils of Laodicea. He goes in there and one of the Gnostics stands up and says something and he goes and punches them in the mouth and drags them out and throws them in the street. See, the saints back then, they, they scrapped because they, they had to protect their people. And a lot of times people go, well, that's just not love. No, no, no. Love, love is I'm going to go and I'm going to keep you from getting, in, getting into trouble. I'm going to go tell you that's poison. Don't drink it. I'm going to tell you there's things going on and you best not do it. If somebody comes in here and starts saying something, I'm going to grab them up by their belt loop and I'm going to throw them out into the street because you need to know the truth. You don't need to know a lie. You know what? If we started doing that in this country where we, there was consequence for our actions, then there would be people that would be getting saved. Right now, people are just, let's go along to get along. It sounds so good. Oh, I just, I'm going along to get along. But do you know that the, these Gnostics taught weird stuff like Jesus didn't have a physical body? This was an actual teaching. I went and found this. John MacArthur's commentaries actually said that, that over the church history, all the way up till like 300 and something A.D., Gnostics would come in and say, Jesus had a spiritual body. Yes, you could touch it, but he didn't have an earthly body. He wasn't like us. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and this is going to hurt some feelings maybe, and I hope it doesn't, but, but if it does, I, I, I apologize that you feel bad about it. But Jesus was like us in the flesh. I'm going to say it again. Jesus didn't have a special body. In fact, he used the Holy Spirit to heal people. That's one of the reasons why you find that he goes and gets baptized by John. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and lights on him. And then he goes out and starts healing people. He didn't heal anybody before that day when he was like 29 or 30 years old. It didn't happen. You can't find it in the Bible. You go talk to Catholics. When he was 12, he killed a bird and then he brought it back. That's a bunch of bull. That's just flat stupid. If you believe that, then you're listening to dumb stuff because the Bible does not teach that. He goes and he gets baptized. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues because he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and did that. He talked with the, the tongue of men and angels. And then he went out and he started laying hands on people. He started, he didn't even turn the water into wine until after he had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost. See, what I want you to understand is that if Jesus didn't have a body, then he did not have authority on earth. In fact, he even tells Nicodemus and, and John, he tells Nicodemus, he says, you have to be born of water. So that means you've got to be born into a body and then you have to be born into the Spirit. And see, there's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to do it. He had to come as a man and be a man so that he could experience what being a man was so that he could take on the sins of men. 
If he didn't have a real body, if he was just some sort of ethereal thing that came down and he was here for just a short amount of time to do nothing other than just be God on earth, then he didn't do anything. And see, I don't believe that because that's not what the Bible says. And we're going to see it. Anyway, John MacArthur's commentary said that, that during this time, a lack of love for fellowship with believers characterized false teachings, especially as they reacted against one another, rejecting the new way of thinking. When, when they would go into a town, these, these agnostics would come in and they would just be like, you either believe the way we believe or you get out. Well, then the church started taking on. So the church started kicking them out. All right. Um, so the main theme of John 1.1 1, 1 is Jesus was real. Say, Jesus was real. Fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with other believers. In the truth brings joy. In the truth brings joy. And Jesus is just is the justifier for our sins. Jesus is the justifier for our sins. Go to the next one, Mom. All right. In First Peter two twenty four, it and everybody probably knows this when I say this one all the time, but in verse 24, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree? He's talking about a body. There was an actual physical body that they nailed to a tree. It says they might live, that might live for righteousness whose, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like a sheep gone astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. See, Jesus himself went and had stripes on his back. He was beaten for our transgressions, and then he went to the cross. Now, I'm going to tell you, we went to Thorn, and they said something wrong. And I jumped up, and I ran down there, and I said, you're wrong. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, but, but they said this. They said this on the stage, and I was like, where did you find it in the Bible? But they go, Jesus was beaten with 39 lashes. 39 lashes? Now, the only time I find 39 lashes in the Bible is when Paul said I was beaten five times, 39 or 40 minus one. Do you know that, that the Jewish people in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 25, verse 3, you can find exactly where this is at, okay? It says that you should not beat someone more than 40 times because it's, it's basically it's not civil, is the way it puts it. Okay? So, so they never ever beat people beyond 40. Okay? Some people say that, that they had to let them go. That I, don't, I can't find that in the Bible. There's, I've heard all kinds of teachings on that. I just can't find it in the Bible. But what I can find is that, is that the Jews would beat you 40 times and that was it. You didn't get hit a 41st time. But the reality of what Jesus went through was a horror story. In fact, there were 60 soldiers that beat Jesus. How do we know that? Because it says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 27, it says a garrison, which is one-tenth of a legion. A legion is 600 soldiers, okay? So a tenth, if we're good at math, would be 60, right? So there were 60 people that lined up to beat Jesus, Okay? Now, if they did it 39 times, then that means that they only, some of them only beat him half the time, okay? 
Maybe with a little, maybe it was a little bitty beat. Maybe it was a, you know, a quarter beat. I don't know. But I will tell you, if you had 60 full-grown men soldiers that was out there beating him with reeds and with lashes, do you know that, that the cat and nine tail is what, is what the Romans used, okay? Now, I can't find cat and nine tail in, in the Bible either. But we know that that was the way that they scourged people. When it says you got scourged, it means that they hit you with a cat and nine's tail, Okay? They, um, this picture right here is, you can actually see ribs. He has no skin on his back. He's got no skin on his arms. Um, Mel Gibson, when he was doing Passion of the Christ, they did the scene. They went to go print the people that, that do the, you know, NC-17, you know, rated PG-13, uh, you know, the, the filmographers people that, that create those ratings. They actually went and they said, we can't rate this triple X. We can't rate this anyway, because you have made it to where it is so gory that we can't do it. And Mel Gibson said, that is what happened. Said, that is what happened. And what happened was Mel Gibson actually had to pull back on what they showed in the Passion of the Christ. So if you go watch the Passion of the Christ thinking that's what Jesus got, he got worse. It was so bad they can't even show it on TV. In fact, I can't believe they showed this movie on TV because it shows his ribs. But it was so bad that, that they ended up that he could not even stand on his own. Go to the next slide. So I want to go back to Isaiah 53 because we've already talked about 1 Peter 2.24. But Isaiah 53 gives us kind of a, a more larger picture about what Jesus did for us, why he was doing this in his body. In fact, um, and I'm just going to kind of bounce around here. In verse 3 it says, in Isaiah 53, 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We know that that is the case because only people liked him when he was healing people. I'm going to be honest with you. It was the get what you get, right? How many people know that I could have this whole place filled up if I was a billionaire and I was just handing cash out? Hey, come in here, guys. I'll give you cash. I'm pretty sure y'all would show up two or three times. I'm not leaving. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. For we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But... He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. You know, 1 Peter 2.24, it gives us the, hey, you get saved because he went to the tree, because he went to the cross. Well, let's just say, for an example, that if you're looking at this, I, I see a couple things. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. How many times have we been grieving and sorrowing? You know, we can always turn right back to Jesus. You know, we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God. How many times in our own life do we think, God, why? God, why? You know what happened? I bet people were going, man, God really doesn't love Jesus. I mean, if all that stuff's going on to Jesus and he said he was the son of God, you're going, hey, he's, he's smitten by God. Look at him. He's cursed. You know that God did that because he wanted you to know 
He wanted you to know that when you have sorrow and you have grief, all you got to do is turn to Jesus. Amen. And you know what? The chastisement of peace was upon him. You know what? This is probably the number one thing I have to deal with. I have to deal with not having enough peace. Having a pressure, a weight on me all the time. And those are the kind of things that when I go back to Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 and I go back and I say there's a peace that passeth all understanding that if I keep my heart, my belief system and my mind on those things which are good, which are, which are decent, acceptable. Do you know if I do those things, those things bring me peace. All right, verse 10, it says, And it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Ooh. He, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall, he shall see the seed. Now, they have a little his there, okay? I, I'm going to ask you guys to, you don't have to believe this. You can believe that it's hit, that the his is Jesus, okay? But I actually believe that in this verse, it's talking more about us. They put the his in there in order to make a point in a different direction. But it ain't there when you go look in the Hebrew, okay? And it says here, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread it. It said, it pleased the Lord to bruise him and he had put him put him and that's a, that's an okay him talking about Jesus when you made uh, when you make his soul an offering for sin so Jesus's mind his will and his emotions were were on on display in order for our sins for our mind our will and our emotions to be completely and totally changed and it says he shall see seed uh-oh, what happened to Jesus? He became the firstborn of many brethren. He saw his seed, and then he saw other seed, and then he started seeing fruit. You know what happened in the church? It grew, it exploded. Constantine is, is sitting up there going, hey, I'm worshiping all these different things, and all of a sudden these people come across him, and he finds out about Jesus, and he makes the whole world believe in Jesus <laughs> at the edge of a sword. <laughs> Do or die. And it says, he, sh he shall prolong days. He didn't prolong Jesus' days. You know, he prolonged our days so that we would all get it. You know, he could have at the end of it said, Jesus, you're going, we, we've crucified you, go in there. And these 12 people, maybe even Peter wouldn't have even went to heaven. I don't even know. But if he had just said, ah, Right now, take all the people who believe. There would have been a handful of people who went to heaven. And then the rest of the earth, go to hell. You know, prolonging days was for our benefit. It was for our benefit so that we could actually say, oh, I'm hearing the gospel and I get the good news and I'm going to believe. All right, I'm going to move on. I know I'm taking too much time there. And it pleasured the Lord... Um, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. 
and he was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus was there beside the other two people who had stolen. They had maybe murdered. All we know is they're thieves. And they were on crosses with him. You know what? The Lord and our Savior didn't, didn't deserve it. But he was there with them. And it said he bore our sins of many and made intercession for our transgressions. You know, Jesus, the reason why he went and sat beside the Father, and, and he, like I said Sunday, you know, the moment Jesus said yes in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says now salvation has come. And then it says now the Satan has been cast out. You know, God went ahead and cleaned out the house because he knew his son was coming. He knew we were coming. And he was like, I'm going to get rid of all the trash and the riffraff. And he went and he got Satan and he took him just like we were talking about a minute ago, grabbed him by his belt and threw him out the door like we saw in Revelations chapter 12. He went and took Jesus and made him a place right beside him where the accuser of the brethren was sitting. You know, the accuser of the brethren was sitting in God's ear and God couldn't do anything about it because he was accusing us because of because of Adam's sin. So God was like, oh, now I have the loophole I've been looking for. Do you know that when, that when Jesus crushed the serpent's head, he took away his voice? What's in the head? He took away him, his ability to hear what's going on in heaven. He took his ability to be able to speak into, into God's ear. He took the ability for him to be able to see the things that he was seeing. He's not omniscient. He does not see everything. So Satan is walking around like a roaring lion. He doesn't have a bite anymore. And all we have to do as Christians is go, no. Amen. You know, when we were casting the devil out of this girl a couple weeks ago, do you know that I said the name of Jesus, go. She's writhing around on the floor. Do you know, I eventually I was like, Lord, why is it not going? I said, go. And it was like, let me tell you, she hasn't let go of it. She has a part to play in this. So I started saying, tell it to go. She couldn't speak. So I said, let her tongue loose. She started going, Go. You know, the moment she said go, it was gone. It was gone. Go to the next slide. So this is the last slide, and we're about to, we're about to have the finale where we're going to take communion. But I wanted you to understand the body and the blood of Jesus Christ in a way that you may not have been able to see it before. Because, you know, I've been talking about agnostics or about Gnostics. But, you know, one of the things that I find in our own in our own teaching and our own beliefs is sometimes we have a hard time discerning what God's, what Jesus's body was for us. I know I do. I'm sitting there. I'm like, Hey, I didn't feel good this morning or my foot hurts or there's a problem going on in my body. And, and you know what? I'm not going and discerning that Jesus went and did something for that. How about the peace that passeth all understanding? Oh, he did something about that. Hey, my sorrows and my grief, I'm not giving those things over to Jesus like he asked us to. Do you know that when we understand his body and we understand how we're supposed to interact with him in the spirit, then we stop worrying. You know, I was talking to mom today and she's got some things going on. And we're going to pray for her uh, after we take communion. I'm believing you're going to get healed in the middle of communion is what's going to happen. 
But I was thinking about Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim used to say all the time, and I think this is probably another minister that's probably said it, but he used it all the time. You know, people would go, well, you know, what if I believe and it doesn't happen? What if you do? What if you believe and it happens? Well, you know what? I found out that belief is actually easy. I just believe. You know, I can't jimmy anything up. Do you know these hands right here have no power? But Jesus that's on the inside of me, when I say, yes, Lord, that's when the power of God can manifest to change the situation. You know, a lot of times, if I'm trying to go, and, and this happens to me from time to time. Somebody comes to me and goes, I don't feel good. And I'm like, oh, they're going to want me to pray for them. And I'm like, should I say something? Should I do something? Should I act a certain way? Should I get my... Well, Jesus, he's going, I mean, do I get my little, you know, to get my, my voice down here real low and go, hallelujah, we're going to see the, the redemption of the Lord this morning. Well, guess what? That wouldn't be dusty. All that would be would be me trying to jimmy something up. But do you know that the, the truth about this is, is Jesus didn't walk around going, ah, he just walked around and people would go, he'd be like, hey man, how are you doing? And then somebody would come up and they would go, I touched your hymn and I got healed. Huh? Well, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like Jesus was going, oh, oh, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Come here right now. <laughs> you know, you watch TV and sometimes that's the way you think the Holy Spirit hits you. He didn't have to charge up the power. Yeah. <laughs> I got the power. You know that you're sitting back there and going, now I'm ready to go pray for you. Well, you know what? I think sometimes like we had prayer today. I need to be able to cleanse myself so that I can just go, oh, that's easy. I just believe. You know, that's, that's the truth about his word. It's the truth about praise and worship. It's the truth about everything is the moment that I believe and I just let go of the doubt, the glory comes out. I'm going to read this really quick and then we're going to do the communion. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's talking about um, the Passover night when, when um, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And I'm going to go down here to verse 24. And it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, Take ye of the, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup after the supper and saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do also as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26 says, For, if, for as often as you eat and drink, uh, eat and drink uh, of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whosoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord, um, in, I'm sorry, therefore, whoever eats this cup and drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, which means irreverently, means that if you go in and you're saying, hey, I don't know if I truly believe, or we don't do this, we hand out little bitty things like this. There ain't nobody fighting to get in here in order to eat a dinner tonight, okay? I'm just going to tell you. That's why we don't have the problem is that we're not like fixing bread and wine all the way down. If we had real wine, how many people would start coming? Anyway, but, but it, it says if you do it unworthily in a manner which, you know, 
which basically it makes you guilty or worthy of punishment of the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks uh, judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak. This word weak is the same word as sick, but it's a different kind of sick. It means to be morally and mentally sick. How many moral and mental people that we got out there that are sick? Tons. We got people who they believe things about themselves that are untrue. Jesus would be able to help that. And then the sick, the physically sick, the people who have sickness in their body. And it says, and the sick among you, and many sleep, being dead physically or spiritually. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Dad, go ahead and pass out the, the implements. You know, And mom, turn on a little bit of uh, music, something that doesn't have any words out of our ministry uh, music. You know, one of the things that, that the Lord puts on my heart when we do this is I always ask everybody to take the time to think about the things that God is putting in your heart about your own body. Do you know that his body is where we get our, our sorrows, our griefs? Our sicknesses, our, our everything that has to do with uh, peace, his body was given for us. You know, I think there's probably a whole lot of other things that I hadn't even mentioned too that you may be going through. You may be having issues with a family member. You may be having problems in a relationship where, where it's not going real well. Do you know that that you can actually plead the body and the blood of Jesus over that situation and see things change. See, we don't have to just take this and, and put it into the, the perspective of, oh, well, you know, Jesus did this because he wanted to save me and go to heaven. That was only one part of it. He wants there to be heaven on earth, days of heaven here on earth. He wants you to bring heaven to other people. There's people that are hurting and they're dying and they've got issues and we're the only thing that they're ever going to see that looks like Jesus. Because they're not going to let anybody else in. You know, I always tell people, I, I live in Grandview. Uh, the first week that I moved into Grandview, my neighbors saw me and they ran. They did. I see them every once in a while. They throw up a hand and they're like, can I get in the house before he says Hello. You know that those are the kind of things that we have to understand is that I'm not going to reach everybody, but you may be able to reach them. See, we need to bring heaven to earth. And Jesus said, as often as you do, do this in remembrance of me. He took the bread and he broke it and he said, take and eat all of it for this is my body. Father, I just thank you that you sent your son Jesus to completely and totally heal us, to give us peace, to give us 
understanding about our deliverance in every single manner to bring about heaven upon earth. And Father, I just thank you, dear Lord, that there is days of heaven that are coming in each and every one of our lives. Even if hell is breaking loose outside of, of their lives, that they can be in perfect peace. In Jesus' name. And likewise, he took the wine and he said, This is the wine of the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink all of it. Amen. I thank you for your new covenant, Father. I thank you that you came and you saved us and you sent your son so that we no longer have to live under a law-based mentality where we have to be perfect in ourselves in order to be seen as children of God or, or as a people of God, Father. But that you sent your son so that we can just believe in him and that his perfectness becomes the perfect sacrifice and that that sacrifice was for once and for all. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that your covenant is going to, it's going to be spread throughout the earth. I thank you that your covenant is just going to take over and that people are going to come back to Jesus and they're going to be set free and that they're going to have an understanding that they are a child of God, that you came to give them perfect adoption rights into the family and that you've given them an inheritance. And Father, we just thank you. We, we give you praise because you are, you are constantly bringing us good things because you're a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I, I, tell, I tell you guys this because I, I truly love you. And I, I want you to know that we're here to agree with you. We're here to, to pump you up, to get you to a place. We want you, to, we want you to, to rise above any situation. And you know, I, I find myself constantly going, what can I do to help others? Because sometimes I don't know if I am. But do you know that I want the people that listen to us, the people who are here, I want you to know that if you ever need anything from Heather and I, we're going to agree with you. We, we want to know what you're believing for, and we're going to believe with you. Amen. Well, we're, I'm going to pray for Mom. She, we, we had talked about this, and uh, I want everybody to get an agreement. So what we're agreeing for is that next week she has uh, an, an eye surgery, uh, and, and that eye surgery um, is it's basically to repair uh, a tear in her eye. And, and she's, got to, she's got to do a couple things when that happens. She's got to keep herself down or looking down for like three days. We're believing for a couple things. I, I, I'm believing for complete and total healing, okay? But I'm going to tell you, we're also believing that, that when the surgery happens, that it is going to be perfect and that it's going to fix the issues 100%. Praise God. Is that what you're believing That's for? what I'm believing. That's what you're believing. That's what I'm believing. Amen. Everybody reach your hand out here. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, dear Lord, that her eyes are made whole. I thank you in Jesus' name that you are bringing about healing in her, her retinas, in her 
um, in every part, Father. I thank you, dear Lord, the optic nerve is attached perfectly. I thank you in Jesus' name that, that you are going to make this easy in Jesus' name. And I thank you, dear Lord, that if she has to do any special things, Father, that you're going to make it to where it's easy in mm -hmm. Jesus' name. In Jesus and I just name. thank you, dear Lord, for complete and total healing. This is going to be a praise God moment and she's going to walk in complete health in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. Amen. Mm. <laughs> Love you, Mom. Love you too, baby. Does anybody want prayer for anything? Does anybody need prayer for anything? Anybody got a got somebody at home they might want to pray for? I know we got Joanne. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pray for Joanne right, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for Joanne. I thank you, dear Lord, that you are strengthening her shoulder. I thank you, dear Lord, that you're making it to where she's going to be able to, to move that shoulder uh, independently, that she's not having to use anything. Father, I thank you, dear Lord, the inflammation is gone. I thank you, dear Lord, that the tendons and the muscles are perfect. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Prayer for anything else, guys. Anybody else want prayer for anything? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you, okay, I, I'm going to be like the Holy Spirit, okay? Everybody strives to be like the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> I'm not going to pray for you unless you want prayer, okay? I'm not going to pray for you because it would be a little bit like me attacking you. Do you know there was a couple, there was a couple years ago I was watching this, this thing and it was like Terry... Cruz uh, linebacker and he's like in the office and all of a sudden he's doing something and then Terry Cruz was was talking to him and he was this big linebacker guy from years ago and he comes and he just like hits the person knocks them over I think that's the way sometimes we pray for people they they're not ready to pray they're not ready to go and do the thing they're not believing and we don't know what to believe for and all of a sudden we just go well in the name of Jesus let me just pray for you sister I'm just going to pray for you you know that one of the things that I want you to understand is that you don't have to come up here. You can come pray with me afterwards. We can get together. I can go take you for coffee and we can pray. We can do something, but I, I want you to know that we're here for you to pray and to be with you. Amen? Everybody bow your head. I'm going to pray us out. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. I just thank you, dear Lord, that... People are taking your body and your blood seriously, Father, this year. And that we are seeing miracles that are going to happen in our bodies and in our minds. Father, I thank you, dear Lord, the new covenant is just reigning in our lives. And I thank you that, that just being in our proximity, because we know who we are in Christ Jesus, that we're going to have people drawn to us to be able to tell them about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that you are bringing about a clear understanding to the people who need Jesus, that they are coming from the north, south, east, and west. I thank you, Father, we will see a revival in these days. And Father, I just pray that each and every person that, that this was a seed and that it is being planted and the Holy Spirit go forth and water it and just give them things throughout their week that they can believe for. Help them to believe for other people. Help them to pray for other people. Help them to go and make a difference in people's lives. And Father, I just thank you, dear Lord, for the people that were here. I thank you in Jesus' name that we're, we're going to see this grow 
And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.